Good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Early Birds Podcast. And today we have a special guest, Brandon Davis, 25 years mortgage industry connoisseur, building wealth with real estate through Corbett Consulting. You've been making magic happen, sir, for quite some time. And the beautiful part is you've done it in a small town and you've expanded into many different areas. So for our viewers, if you could just walk us through, how did you get into all that? As a prelude to med school. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? So I don't think anybody really grows up uh, desiring to be, you know, in the mortgage banking field, in the mortgage industry, if you will. So uh, my story, I was at Slippery Rock University, uh, graduated pre-med, and as a prelude to med school, I was working at UPS. And the opportunity to get away from that grind, if you will, and start as a prelude to med school in the professional world landed me in Youngstown, Ohio. And that was uh, 25 going on 26 years ago. And I have uh, really caught a groove and been here. This is where I planted some roots and the branches are starting to spread out throughout the country a little more rapid than uh, I thought they would. And here we are today talking a little bit about what we do. So thanks for having me. Thank you for being on here. You know, that's I, I didn't even know that prelude to me. That's not a joke. That's okay. Not a joke. No, that's serious. Well, that <laughs> explains why you're so cerebral and how your brain's able to tie things together. So the part that fascinates me the most and I really want to dive into is that mindset coming into a small town here, right? Like Youngstown. I've been so fortunate. You guys have shown me around. I get to see the energy and truly everybody knows everybody uh, around this area. When you came here, how did you look at this place and go, you know what? I really think I can make something out of myself. And then I love the roots here in Youngstown. How did that start? So a good friend of mine that uh, resides in Akron, Ohio, hired me in October of 98. And I started working here, figuring out that relationships are the established currency way back when. And so it's kind of a new phenomenon. People, generally speaking, in the profession you work with people that you know, like, and trust. So for me coming to a new market, I really networked and I followed in the footsteps of my father, uh, who was an economic developer in Virginia beach, helped bring steel to North America, steel as in the chainsaws and weed whackers. And their North American headquarters is on Lynn Haven Parkway in Virginia beach. And my brother-in-law actually was brought into steel and retired from them. Uh, because of my father. So my father now lives in uh, Newburgh, North Carolina. What's up, dad? And just watching him as a kid, um, one of the more disturbing things for me as a child was I think my father could have more open conversations with a stranger talking about business than he would when he came home. Uh, <laughs> so uh, maybe that was after a long day of work. I'm not sure. But regardless, the, uh, the phenomena of networking and building relationships is something that is near and dear to me and I go deep when I build them. So it's been a good ride and we've got a great team here doing the same thing with next door. You know, the, the thing that fascinates me the most is I don't think people understand how difficult it can be to genuinely care, right? When you're having conversations, people ignore that sometimes. And if you really spend the time to get to know somebody, you start putting the, the web together, right? I've heard you say that a couple times where you bring the pieces sure. together. What do you say to somebody that, okay, they want to build relationships, they get into a small town, but they don't, they don't know where to start. Like how, how have you made it to where it's like, wow, this is something that I could impact somebody else. I genuinely care about what the person's saying. What would you say to somebody that struggles with doing something like that? 
two words, follow up. It's one of the most important things in relationships is to follow up personal or professional. Listen, that's a hard thing for me to do sometimes because I want to dive in and, and try to fix things, uh, especially a problem solver, putting deals together. Uh, I call it selling the gray, find the, find the way to get the deal done. And when I say get the deal done, you know, bringing those relationships into a scenario where you can help a CPA that's having some tax planning, you know, strategies that they need to offset some money that a, a borrower or a business may be responsible to do. We're in tax season right now. We talked a little bit about that yesterday at our Building Wealth with Real Estate event. And one of the things that I aspire to impress upon anybody, be it personal or professional, is to plan. Mm -hmm. And planning is something that involves scheduling, it involves follow-up, and being really direct and forthright with what your intentions are. Be intentional. See, be, be, I think that's one of the hardest things for people is like, they don't know where to be intentional. So I, I wanna just fill the viewers in a little bit. So what, what he focuses on is he, he really built an empire for himself from the mortgage standpoint, here in the small town, Youngstown, really focused on renovation loans, and I'll get into that. But what he does now is build wealth with real estate, and he works a lot with certain uh, very specific professionals, and he tries to bring all the threads together from a financial planning standpoint, where you're planning through leveraging real estate, and you're truly teaching people uh, everything that you know, which is 25 years in the game. Yesterday, you mentioned something, and you said a mistake you made looking yourself in the mirror, right? 25 years ago, 1998, going through your first loan uh, and you kind of explain that story. And that's the thing people don't get is like when you first start on your journey, whether whatever career that may be, there is a way to make it all encompassing and really grow it. Where did you drop the ball back then? And then how did you figure out, wait a second, I can really tie all of this together. So maybe I dropped the ball buying a property in Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> uh, kidding aside, it's, uh, it's known to be the, uh, the smallest real estate market in the country. Uh, Detroit is, uh, is, you know, right up there next to y'all in Bingham Farms. Mm -hmm. And for Youngstown, uh, being the smallest real estate market uh, in the country, a, a lot of what we do is measured on impacting families, not on volume, which is the antithesis of really how the real estate industry works. It works based on, you know, units and families and people that you can interact with. And so for me, I learned the hard way that uh, I thought I knew what I was doing. As you said, you know, I'm, I'm not only cerebral in some ways, but I'm also very confident. And I bought a house and it was built in 1910. And I thought I knew what I was doing with the ability to be able to earn income and go put what I earned, you know, back into the house and fix it up. And I learned real quick, uh, the number two real estate rule First rule is location, location, location. The second rule is other people's money. And buying a house that was built in 1910, renovating it, roof, windows, HVAC, foundational work, plumbing work, added a deck, uh, did a bunch of interior work. There's just always something to do. And that taught me really quick that renovation lending is something that I became really good at and I learned about it doing the renovations on my home. And I felt like that could be a really big niche because when I started to look into it, it really wasn't a scenario that was very prevalent in the industry. It's still not today. 
most real estate agents will not know what a renovation loan is. And yet when you give the market, the opportunity to say yes, more often, yes, we can help you with that. Yes, we can help you with a renovation loan. Yes, we can help you with a purchase. Yes, we can help you with a refinance. Yes, we can do debt consolidation. Yes, we can do reverse mortgages. Those are all things that allow someone to be able to network into those relationships that ordinarily you wouldn't be able to do. And so by being able to say yes more often, learn from my own mistakes and impart that knowledge into how I have built my building wealth map over the last 25 years, it's just really given me some drive to share that with others. You know, but the, the reason why I'm really dialing into it is because one of the things people don't understand, it's like you made that mistake early on and you didn't know what you were doing necessarily. And you were just trying to figure it out your way. And that's what I want our viewers to understand. It's like, look, you didn't have a roadmap. No one taught you how to do it. And so you were just going and figuring it out. And so for the viewers at home where it's like, I never learned this. Look, I'm first generation. I, my parents are both in the Middle East. I didn't learn a lot of things. And I was very fortunate to, one, have a lot of mentors. But to Brandon's point, I made mistakes. But I, I was willing to make those mistakes and take certain risks. So for those of you out there that don't have that background, figure it out and it's okay to take the risk. And if you make mistakes, you have to learn from the mistakes. So from a mistake standpoint, one, have you made a lot over the years? And then two, how do you learn from them and readjust and recalculate, okay, now this is my new method of this space to, to basically mitigate some of the risks that might be associated with something like building wealth you know, through real estate? Well, if I were to sit here and tell you about all my mistakes in my life, we would not be able to get through this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So personal and professional mistakes are how you learn. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, there's mistakes that I've made in my life. Uh, I'll make more. And professionally, I really try to dial in on what has happened and bring other experts into the equation, not only before I make a decision, but before I help a customer make a decision. And as a consultant working in the lending space, working in the renovation space, real estate space as a whole, uh, tax planning for 25 years as I have, I've learned a lot about that. Uh, financial planning, uh, using that as an opportunity to leverage, responsible leverage, uh, and continue to build real estate uh, wealth. Uh, and then the estate planning piece, which is huge, uh, especially from a guideline perspective as it relates to lending. And so when you can really tie all those things together, and understand where they all compartmentalize into this big map, it limits your exposure to making mistakes. And so that's the best thing that I could tell someone is ask questions. And by doing so, you'll learn and you're still gonna make mistakes, but if you can mitigate the risk through asking questions of experts, then typically you're gonna perform better. And there are so many people out there that are willing to share that knowledge. You know, I, yesterday we were at your, your event and everybody there was just willing to share and showcase what they know and what they understand. And so people say, oh, I don't know who to turn to. It's like, y yes, you do. You're just not looking. And that's something I always try to tell people is like, stop making that excuse of, oh, well, the market or this or that. It's, there's, there are people everywhere that want to share this wealth and knowledge. And sometimes there's a, there's a book even, you can go read $10, go buy the book, right? It's cheap. It's not that expensive to do so. Now, one of the things I heard yesterday, um, people will, will really dialed in and they trust you a lot. I heard many people say, I got in touch with Brandon, I got in touch with Brandon, and now they've been building their own journey. 
And then obviously one of our branch managers here, Bob, who uh, less than seven years ago had nothing uh, from a real estate standpoint and now has five properties. Um, and he, he credits a lot of that success to what you've taught him and what you've helped him. Where does that trust come into play and how do you even develop that kind of trust to where somebody goes, hey, look, I, I do want your help. And then you have to take that, not that burden on, but it's like, okay, what you're guiding them and the decisions you're helping them, they're making the decisions, but you're giving them tidbits. A lot of it falls on you. How, where do you start with building that kind of trust? So you can either manage people or you can lead them. And I've been a branch manager in the mortgage banking world for 25 years, 22 of the 25 years and 26 year now. And so I was a really successful loan officer and I'm learning as a leader and you're a leader, people follow you and it's not something you just sign up for and say, this is what I'm going to do today. Uh, you lead by example and I choose to lead by example. And do I always make the right examples? No, neither do you. Nope. And we've talked about that and we've dialed in on it. And some of the things that people really look at is how do you walk around the room? How do you interact with people? What do you do to inspire them to be better? And that's actually one of the commitments that I make uh, in the real estate space is inspire folks to see the real estate world differently. So with Bobby, I met him through his mother and father at a birthday party and he was not there. Uh, we were looking for this, this loan officer assistance space. And that was about six and a half years ago. And the opportunity to talk with him, he was working, not happy. He was in the banking world, working for some local banks, had worked at PNC, had worked from, you know, some other local banks here in town. And all he wanted to be was a loan officer. And so I can remember him as uh, he started, he was, just was joking around. He's like, I don't even know how much money I'm going to make or how I'm going to make money. I just, I want to come do this and you have a great team and here we are to this day. And so now he's running the show, which is pretty awesome. And he's got uh, five properties north of seven figures throughout the country, and he's continuing to buy real estate. And six years ago, he was not in the mortgage banking world, and he didn't own any properties, except the house that he was living in here locally. Uh, and his car payment's worth more than his you know, house payment, by the way. That's for real. <laughs> so I think all of that is just something that over time, like any relationship, you know, you build upon it, and he trusts me, and I trust him. Uh, amongst many others uh, local here to the community. So it's just fun to be able to give that back to him and watch him grow. And I learned from him too. So it's it's a two-way street for sure. You know, it is, you talked about leadership and, and that it's funny because uh, a lot of mistakes are made through leadership, right? Because people are depending on you and you have to be the consummate like professional and the consummate pro all the time. It's stuff that I didn't think about earlier on in my career where it's like people truly are watching your your every move. And to embrace and embody that is is difficult, but it's also so rewarding because to your point, you now have so many supporters of Brandon Davis, right? So you're you're making your impact literally daily because of what you do on a daily basis. And you have to continue to create that brand because it is a brand, right? Corbett Consulting, Brandon Davis, you do ultimately become a brand. H how do you deal with that pressure for other people out there that are trying to grow that space and understanding that they do have that additional pressure, how do you facilitate and manage that pressure and then still move methodically the way that you continue to move? Well, the real estate game comes to me just through trial and error and having done it so many times, knowing the real estate space and that's my, you know, if you will, day job, yeah. mortgage lending and knowing the nuances and the gray area and studying the niche 
is really how I built my career. And probably even more than that, my passion is real estate. And to understand that is really not pressure. It's just involving myself in the day-to-day -day of, you know, reading what's going on in the market as a whole. Don't follow interest rate trends. Oh my gosh, the world's ending. You know, it's not real estate Armageddon now like it was potentially back in 2008. Uh, and so I think what we have to look at overall is just continuing to drive through relationships. You know, one of the guys in the uh, event yesterday, very good friend of mine, taught me early on brand, uh, another acronym. You know, I'm a fan of acronyms yeah, yeah. and brand. Uh, so be repetitive and never deviate. And so sell the gray, talk about renovation, talk about things that give people the ability to go a little bit deeper in a conversation. And that's not what a lot of folks, you know, really do. They take the easy stuff, the easy route. And in a small town, I grew up in a small town in central Pennsylvania, about 2,200 people. What's up, Williamsburg? it's, you know, everybody knows everything. And so being in Youngstown, Ohio, which to me is a bigger town, uh, of course it is. Uh, and it gives everybody the opportunity to, you know, it's big enough that you run into people, but not everybody knows what you're doing. So it, it creates that space where you can still meet new people, have deeper relationships that you continue to take time to develop. But answering your question about fear and, and, you know, how do you get the confidence to do what we do? We just, it's, it's passion for me. Real estate is a passion and I enjoy networking with people and building on those relationships. So anybody that I can bring into that sphere and then reciprocate for them, which is a big word for me, follow up reciprocal, make sure that you're, you know, involving yourself with what they do and how can you make them better? And that's really how I've gotten to where I am in my career. That's, that's so fascinating. You talked about the Armageddon uh, piece. And I am curious, you know, some of the stuff people don't know about is they don't understand the 2008 and what occurred and what happened. Uh, the other piece of it that I'll talk to is like your no excuse attitude. And the reason I, I'm just a big believer in it is it's like, because look, you know, don't get me wrong. I understand there's people in certain predicaments and situations that are hard to get out of, but regardless of where you're at, you know, small town, big city, there's an opportunity to make it right. A lot. It's that, that excuse mentality just needs to go out the door and you don't have it. It's like you see opportunity regardless of where you're at. You know, one of the things you said yesterday is what you look at is population growth um, in terms of where you go to, to invest. And like you just have a different mindset and strategy. But I want to talk a little bit about the, the Armageddon piece that you have on here. Sure. So 2008 versus 2023. And I love the way this is broken down. So for those those listening in, potentially first time home buyers, maybe potentially even investors um, that are nervous and they see early signs of 2008. Can you just talk a little bit about what you've put together on here? Well, these stats are backed up by, you know, National Association of Realtors. Um, the sources there are Statista and then uh, FHFA. So this isn't my doing. I just collaborated and learned and, you know, put it in an easy format to read graphically. Uh, I think one of the biggest pieces, yeah, 2008 was a foreclosure crisis. Uh, there was too many homes to purchase there were too many bad loans too many bad apples in the in the cart and it just started to make this problem exacerbate into the secondary market wall street got greedy uh, loans were being done that shouldn't have been done and in 2008 you know there was about four and a half to five percent of the entire uh, mar housing market mm -hmm. and and foreclosure and you know we're four percent less than that right now in 2023 and you would know this especially as an owner of a mortgage bank mortgage lender 
underwriting standards are so much more normalized, tighter. They're not letting things get to the bottom line at a closing table and not verifying, you know, documentation, which is critical to ensuring that the housing stability, you know, stays the way it is. Now, the Fed is kind of in a predicament at the moment. Um, we learned a little bit about this last week when I was in California at a Keller Williams conference. And I heard Gary Keller himself say, and this is important, I'm going to drive this point home. The fool is the person that didn't own real estate, regardless of the market. And that's from Gary Keller himself uh, and his vision speech last Sunday. So the ability to be able to find stability in the market, we're there. You know, the interest rates are not high at all. Historically speaking, interest rates are below the norm. Uh, but what we also want to look at is housing supply. So the housing supply is, you know, back to the Fed and what, what are they going to do if they bring the rates down and the bond market itself is going to figure this out. When the bond market figures out stability, they're going to price into the 10 year of treasury and the, you know, the overall market is going to follow that. And, you know, they're not going to control long-term rates. They'll control short-term rates. So, and, and there's a trend there, of course, you know, they, they, they follow each other to a degree, long-term, short-term. But the housing supply is very much in demand and there's short supply and that's a fundamental rule to economics. So if the Fed brings down interest rates, there's going to be this rush back into the market, whether it's refis, whether it's purchases, there's, there's going to be this aggregation. People are going to want to consume it. And the people that want it are the people that want to build wealth in real yes. estate, the first time home buyers, millennials, you know, they're the, and, and to, to credit the millennials, they're making some decisions about housing for shelter. So food and shelter. Mm -hmm. And so people say, well, I don't want to be house poor. Well, you got to eat and you need to rent or you need to buy and put a roof over your head. And so housing Armageddon is not likely due to the supply channel that we have right now. There's some other things on here, subprime loans, you know, virtually none of those now. Uh, they were extremely prevalent. Uh, back in the early 2000s. So you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan. <laughs> and it's just, it's unfortunate, um, but appraisers and lenders and borrowers and the entire community as a whole in the financial industry caused this. And, you know, it they, they thought they were too big to fail and they almost did. You know, and, that, and that's the part that I love too. It's like you talk about, you're basically addressing the fear. And we try to talk to consumers about that all the time because I do understand the fear, right? And you, you have to tread that fine line of, Hey, look, like you obviously can't predict the future by any means, but when you can do is look at data that we've had, that's very relevant and prevalent to, to what you're doing today. And a lot of it is to your point, it's, it's not that same scare that once was back in 08 because of all the rules, the regulation. And then there's also a rhyme and reason to why things are happening, which you, you explain, which I appreciate. I do have a question regarding, uh, you know, potential first time home buyers and their fear with the rate in the market. You talked about the house poor potentially, H how do you address that with a first time home buyer? The most important thing that you can do is normalize the math. You know, so I ask people all the time when you're sitting across the table from someone, when was the last time you wrote a check for an interest rate? Never, never. never. When was the last time you paid a credit card with an interest rate? When was the last time you did a, a PayPal with an interest, nothing, never. whether it's electronic money, real money, paper money on a check, you know, it's, it's, it's not the interest rate. It's the actual math related to payment. And most people 
there's a saying that I have, interest rate is a catalyst to the money. Don't stop at rate. Stop at the money. What's the money mean? You know, what's household income? What's household debt? What's the ratio short-term debt to long-term debt? And figure that out. And that's stuff that I bring to the table on a regular basis. That's relational for me. It's not transactional. Which for first-time home buyers, the biggest thing that I could tell someone is be strategic with what you're going to do be intentional with what you're going to do don't be transactional don't go look at the house first the big shiny cool white object that gets you all fired up and decide that you're then going to get pre-approved you don't put a pretty front door on a house and then build the foundation mm -hmm. you build the foundation first and math and pre-approvals and strategy are foundational to buying a home buying the house is the pretty front door that's the fun part. So work on the math, work on the foundation and align yourself with true professionals. And we have a lot of those here, right here in Northeast Ohio. Next door has a lot of those throughout the country. And I'm excited to be part of helping build it. Thank you so much. You know, that's, that's one of the things, listen, uh, we're not sitting here telling you, gotta use us, gotta use us. Just, just pay attention to who you're speaking to, right? Whether you're a first time home buyer or even savvy home buy, uh, investor, whatever the case may be. Make sure you're in front of the right people. You can see the differences in the conversation and just ask yourself, is the person that you're talking to that's helping you get a mortgage have this kind of background to educate and walk you through what it takes to really establish and design something perfectly? So that's just something to consider. Uh, we have just one last question that I ask everybody and I wanna ask you the same thing and I do it every single time. So you go back to 17, 18 year old Brandon Davis and trying to figure out where he's gonna go, where he's gonna head. Uh, down this road, the path, the journey. What is just one or two things, if you got to see that person today, 17 or 18-year-old Brandon Davis, that you would tell that young man? Patience and persistence. Those are things that very early on in my career, uh, I was not patient. And I have this other saying, imagine that, professionally, I'm not patient. Uh, and you're probably experiencing that a little bit uh, in, in our dialogue. It's just, you know, I hit the ground, I'm ready to go. I'm a big visionary and, you know, I want to involve as many opportunities to impact communities and people and businesses uh, in the right ways, of course, uh, and help. So patience and persistence and the patient part has come with maturity, uh, getting older, if you will. I have some gray in my beard now, uh, unlike you. and. One of the things that I read yesterday uh, in the Berkshire Hathaway um, report that was released on Saturday uh, was Warren Buffett's comment related to the patient investor. So uh, patience and investing is not gambling. There's a lot of risk in the market, but if you're patient uh, over time, things will go your way. Uh, and the market has proven that. And so that leads to persistence. And if you just keep after it, Little by little, Rome's not been built in a day. All the things that we do over those two words, patience and persistence, I'll use the last word, is it prevails. Listen, man, thank you very, very much for doing this. And for those of you at home, listen, don't, don't be fearful. Uh, regardless of the situation you're in, small town, big town, your upbringing, I'm telling you, there's opportunity for you. You might not know where to look, and that's completely okay, but reach out ask questions there are people out there that are willing to help and the other thing too is for those of you that are young myself included 
Patience and persistence truly is the key. We're in a society today that's all built around instant gratification, but I'm telling right you, on. the roadmap takes time and you must be patient and you must be persistent. And I promise you that if you do all that, everything else will work itself out. Thank you all very much for tuning in. This is another episode of the Early Birds Podcast. Brandon, thank you so much, sir, for being here. I appreciate you. Appreciate you having me.